Ooh, honey, pause for a sec. What did he mean Ferengi have a first set of ears? Welcome to The Spinal Frontier, a podcast where we speculate as to why Star Trek aliens are the way they are. I'm Kelly, she, her. And I'm Aaron, they, them. Well, let's talk about how we came up with this podcast. I mean, well, we found out pretty early in our dating experience that we were both raised by huge Trek nerds and are familiar with the franchise. Shout out to Leslie and Joan and happy birthday, mom. (laughs) So I quickly found out that Aaron is a walking human memory alpha, which is the Star Trek wiki. I can ask you pretty much anything about Star Trek and you just kind of know it. Yeah, this is fifth date material, not first date material. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron is a huge Star Trek expert. I don't have as much room in my brain for Star Trek because I am a marine biologist in training. I've been working on my PhD for the last five years. In the course of that, I've taught a lot of physiology courses. And so thinking about how the body works, the human body and animal bodies, how those work, that's kind of part of my expertise and something I like to think about and like to think about talking about. She also has a passion for teaching. Yes. And so, I don't know, this kind of conversation was something that sounded interesting to both of us. Well, and we have this conversation all the time where we watch Star Trek regularly just yeah. like at our house. Like four or five times an episode, I'm pausing so she can tell me about biology, which is lovely. I I appreciate that you always say, I, I like learning from you. I love learning. <laughs> I'm sorry. Since I love learning... And you love learning. Uh, We like to listen to podcasts as well. So this is a a medium that we enjoy. And shockingly, I'm the one who introduced you to the world of Star Trek podcasts. We both listen to the greatest generation family of Star Trek podcasts. (laughs) If you haven't checked it out, go ahead and do so if you like blue humor. Yeah, free free plug for Ben and Adam. Yeah, we are what they call Friends of DeSoto. Uh, We've met friends that way in real life. It's a whole thing. But yeah, we like Star Trek. We like thinking about Star Trek. We like thinking about science. Not only is Aaron a Star Trek fan, they're also an engineer. So it's a very STEM household. (laughs) What do you say we get into it? Yeah. So the reason why we decided to start this particular podcast is like we were watching Deep Space Nine, season seven, episode six, Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. And Nog, who's one of the Ferengi, says they learned about the continuum when he still had his first set of ears. (sighs) The continuum being the material continuum, which flows like a great river, hence the name of the episode. Okay, yeah. But it's hard to talk about Ferengi and their ears without introducing who the Ferengi are. And they're an alien that was introduced to the franchise early on in the run of The Next Generation. Mm -hmm which is the series that was famous for starring Patrick Stewart as Captain Jean-Luc Picard. That's the one we grew up with. Yeah, it is the one we grew up with. The Ferengi were originally intended to be a long-running villain in the series, maybe a bigger deal than they ended up turning out being, (laughs) because when they made their, their first appearance, they definitely read as goofier than they did threatening. And so never never really reached the imposing level that you need in a, in a series-spanning villain. Instead, they kind of got refined, I would say. They yeah. refined them a little bit and made them be more... Interesting. 
well, to be actual characters um, by the time they got to Deep Space Nine. Yeah, uh, so the following series was Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. centered on a space station, and several of the characters are Ferengi. Yeah, the ones that run the bar. Mm-hmm, Quark's bar. This is where we get a lot of the questions about Ferengi are based on these episodes, because, again, referring to your first ears, and I have issues, because... <laughs> I don't know of any animal that like grows their ears by shedding them and like shedding them and growing a new a new ear like that's not a thing yeah, like you do with your teeth. Yeah, no, because that that would mean that there's like a second ear that kind of grows out from the head after the first one. Like it, it would have to be fully formed already. Have you ever seen a, a child's skull? Yes, and it gave me nightmares. Yeah, so imagine what the inside of a Ferengi skull might look like if they had two sets of ears, like a second set of ears waiting. Aren't That's they the worst. cartilaginous? Yeah, and cartilaginous meaning like like it's made of cartilage, like human ears are. I think they're cartilaginous. They're, they seem to be similar, and they also they also have a lot of vasculature, so like a lot of blood vessels running through them because Ferengi ears are known to be very sensitive to touch. If they're stroked gently, it's a nice feeling. If they are pinched, it is an ear-piercing scream feeling, I guess. And if they're pierced, who knows? Do the femme-presenting Ferengi have pierced ears? I feel like they might. That is a very good question. I don't think so. Oh, you know what? I think that one of the characters, Quark, and his brother Rom, they have a a mother that appears Mm -hmm. every once in a while on the show. They call her Moogie. It's very sweet. Moogie. But yeah, I think she may have pierced ears. And of course, that's that's not like piercing your regular ear. That'd be like piercing something a lot more sensitive because, again, they seem to have a lot of nerve endings and a lot of blood flow. So the classic physiological comparison with Ferengi are bats. If you look in the other Star Trek speculative literature, they're commonly associated with bats because bats have these huge ears and kind of ridged faces in order to facilitate their sonar. So bats echolocate, which means they let out a high-pitched noise either through their mouth or their nose, which I learned in researching for this episode. So the ridges on their face kind of help direct the different frequencies of sound so they can kind of make the most of where the sound is going so it can bounce back to their ears because it comes out at a couple different frequencies, I guess. There's a link in the show notes about this just so you can kind of see what I I saw. It's really neat. So Ferengi also have these ridges and these massive ears. So they've obviously invested a lot evolutionarily in hearing. Do you want to give an example of the times they could hear extraordinarily well? Well, there's at least one episode where Quark is shown picking a lock without a stethoscope, um, just using his ears to hear the tumblers in the in the safe, and that was pretty interesting. But there's just a, there there are a lot of instances of them being able to have superhuman hearing. The fact that they have such a big ear is also interesting too because there's a couple of different ways I was thinking about like why would they develop such a large ear so they all as a species have a large ear for helping with hearing which makes me curious about what life might be like on their home planet which is called Ferenginar do you have any insight for us on what Ferenginar is like well in a couple episodes of Deep Space Nine we do get to see Ferenginar we know that it rains um, pretty much all the time And they make mention that the Ferengi language has many words for rain, 
to describe like the type of rain, but we're here to talk about years. So, <laughs> so my thought is when there is constant rain just drumming on your house, that introduces a lot of extra background noise and we, as very professional podcasters now, know a lot about background noise. You might want to have face structures that help you discern different sounds if there's a lot of loud background noise, a.k.a. the rain. Does that make sense? Like, It does to me. I'm the lay person here. You're not the lay person. You're the Star Trek expert. That's very generous. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my first thought on the ear size thing. But also, if you look at male and female Ferengi ears, Mugi's ears are a lot less pronounced than her son's. Differences in size of certain uh, body parts or differences in shape or color, those are often driven by something called sexual selection. So one sex of the mating pair decides that a certain thing is going to be an indicator that like, wow, this guy's going to be very strong, very fit. It's going to create really excellent children and our offspring are going to super survive. It's going to be great. I know that's what drives these size differences in a lot of different species. And I think that's what's happening with the Ferengi here. So the females are the ones who are choosing to mate with males with larger ears. I think there's a lot of, tell me if I'm wrong, there's a lot of kind of associations with um, having big ears conferring like stronger abilities and like. Specifically, um, the Ferengi came into their own during the rewrites and, and fleshing them out as characters as the galaxies kind of preeminent merchants and traders and they prize themselves for their business acumen and so it's interesting when they talk about their ears in terms of um, having the lobes for business they've associated <laughs> um, the size of their ears with something in their that in their culture is seen as a good positive successful Ferengi so the other thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about the size of ears, like maybe it confers some sort of biological success. Maybe it definitely seems to help with the ability to hear really sensitive sounds, discern sounds over rain. But the other thing I was thinking about was elephants. What about elephants? Elephants use their very large, very blood vessel filled ears for regulating their body temperature. So if they get too hot, they kind of hold their big old ears away from their head and kind of wave them around. And Ferengi can't like wave their ears around. But I'm also guessing that Ferenginar is very cold because a lot of like, it's just kind of a fetid swamp is what I'm told or what I'm given to understand. So, um, they're probably it's probably not a very warm planet, warm place to live. They're probably a little bit cooler, used to being a little bit cooler. And so the Ferengi that are living off planet in um spaces that are meant for that are built by humans or other races of alien that like maybe don't come from a fetid swamp. Maybe the bigger ears are also helpful with maintaining body heat, a comfortable body heat in this massive uh, space stations away from wh where they evolved, right? I'm not saying it's significant. It's just... 
Oh no, you just you raised you raised a lot of a lot of points very quickly, and I'm still stuck on um, are swamps usually cool? Because when I think about the well-known swamps that I know, they're usually very hot and humid. I'm thinking of like a medieval peat thing in the UK, like. But you're right, you're right that like there's a lot of swamps in the south, and it is not cold in the swamp. Yeah, I don't actually know what the weather is like on Frankenar. Well, if it adopts the uh, standard sci-fi trope of being a planet of swamps, it probably has like quite a few different temperature variations. Um, there, I don't think there's actually any any hard evidence that Ferenginar is hotter or colder than we would normally think. I don't know. Uh, that's, this is our first controversy already. Oh, that's a lot. I, I don't know. I got nothing. And this is one thing that I really enjoy about looking at morphology. So like the kind of the form and function of organisms is it can kind of tell you something about where that organism lives. I, I think that the big ears are definitely tied to at least hearing over constant rain. Mm-hmm. So speaking of elephants, um, because they dissipate heat through their ears, they don't they don't sweat. Correct. They don't do not sweat. And in fact, they take mud baths, right, to keep cool. Yes, that is what they do. Well, you know what? Probably has a lot of mud. Ooh, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> a very swampy Ferenginar. A very swampy Ferenginar. So the elephants on Ferenginar don't sweat. No, no my hot take is that for, that the Ferengi don't sweat. I think they dissipate heat through their ears and they take mud baths to keep cool. I mean, there's no canon that doesn't say that. And also, how are you the biology side and I'm the canon side? Hold on a second. <laughs> we'll pull the sneaky on you. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. I mean, we could talk about the Ferengi for a very long time because there is a lot of material in Deep Space Nine about them. But since we're mostly talking about your morphology... And one thing I did want to say is that if you can increase the surface area of the body, you can dissipate heat through it better. It's we call it a radiator in engineering parlance. And so that's what you when you look at the grill on your car, it's actually a series of fins, mm-hmm. flat slices of metal that increase the surface area by being yeah, anyways. Um, we can, oh, we, we can cut out the technical stuff. I can talk about surface area to volume ratio all ding dang day. We know this. We could talk about giant Spock. Well, maybe let's talk about regular Spock. Let's talk about Vulcans because that is the other famous ear in the Star Trek franchise. Maybe like Vulcans, also Romulans, which are a sister species to Vulcans. And maybe we can even talk about uh, Remans, who are closely associated with the Romulans and talk about all those pointy ears. The pointy ears, I tried to look this up because... We started on Ferengi ears, but I I wanted to get some similar takes on other alien ears. But like Vulcan ears supposedly evolved over millennia, but that's all I got. Like specifically why they're pointy? According to my research, the Vulcans apparently have superior hearing to humans, but I don't see any evidence that I don't understand because they have almost identical ear folds to humans. Then they just have kind of that little extension but that only spock has really curly ear tips instead of just pointy so so what you're saying is that the the pointedness of one's ears doesn't necessarily mean that they have better hearing yeah no because 
All of the animals that have pointy ears also are able to turn those ears. Like they have musculature in their skulls that rotate their ears around, like a German Shepherd or a cat that have kind of those triangular ears. But that, it doesn't really do much. There actually is a real life condition that humans can have. Uh, it's called Stahl's ear, S-T-A-H-L-S. And it's a genetic mutation that there's a couple of different ways it can manifest, but basically it just makes your earlobe be pointy. And it's, some people call it Vulcan ear or Spock ear. You can correct it with surgery or if you're a baby, they just kind of mold it back into place. But there's no associated issues with that like there's no change in ability or in real life there doesn't seem to be any evidence that Vulcans would have better hearing so a, a trait that's passed down from generation to generation that doesn't help but doesn't hurt it's just kind of there um maybe it's also a sexual selection thing um <laughs> so Vulcans apparently have superior hearing Romulans, who are closely related, look very similar to Vulcans, but look like they have a lot of little different traits from Vulcans, like genetically. And we can talk about, we'll talk about genetics in another episode. Like that's kind of a whole series of episodes on its own. Mm -hmm. But do you know anything about Romulans having superior hearing or is it just a Vulcan thing? Well, Romulans are so closely related to Vulcans in, in the lore of Star Trek that although I don't recall them ever explicitly having superior hearing, I would kind of expect them to. So while we're talking about Romulans, I did want to bring up Remans, not only because of the excellent naming convention. You want to explain that? Yeah, so um, Romulans and Remans in Star Trek share... Uh, share a solar system. Uh, the Remans apparently live on the moon of Romulus. All of this is a little on the nose. Because? Because Romulus and Remus on Earth were brothers who in Roman mythology were raised by a wolf and nursed to health. Romulus went on to found Rome and uh, Remus died, I think, I think Romulus kills Remus. Oh, like a, like a Cain and Abel situation? I think maybe. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so um, the Remans are specifically live on the dark side of the moon of the Romulan planet. And organisms that live in the dark, a.k.a. bats, yes, we're back to bats, they can't really rely on their eyesight. So that is kind of the idea with the Remans as well. If you look them up, they do have kind of longer, pointy, very ridgy, batty ears that look very similar to a real bat's ears and kind of small eyes similar to, I don't know, the Ferengi who have small eyes, giant ridgy ears. The Remans, they definitely look like they crawled out from the dark side of the moon. They're very pale and weird looking, but... The most striking thing, I think, are these bat-like ears, which, again, kind of indicate that they come from somewhere that they need to depend on their hearing. Anything else that the show says about how Remans be, where they live, and what their special abilities are? Do you know anything about them? I mean, frankly, the the Remans exist in, in one movie in the franchise. It's Star Trek Nemesis, and it's not really my favorite <laughs> movie. I'm shocked that Tom Hardy made it through that and went on to have the career he had. <laughs> But at least in the in the details put forth in that movie, they were used as shock troops during a war and were noted to be very fearsome warriors. 
Probably because they could hear anything coming. Yeah, maybe. Definitely. I'm declaring it now. It's canon (laughs) on my very official podcast now. All right. So that's it for now. We're going to release episodes every second and fourth Friday. And this is the inaugural episode in time for my mom, Joan's birthday. So happy birthday again, mom. And we're doing that just so you can end your week with the treat of also pretending to be a speculative exobiologist along with us, I guess. I'm going to keep our language clean just to be kid-friendly, but do expect that I will be frank about biological information. No euphemisms here. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and feel free to leave us a review based solely on the trailer and pilot, I guess. If you're not already, please follow us on Twitter at Spinal Frontier and on Instagram at Spinal Frontier Pod. Thanks for listening. Okay, honey, you can press play.